Word nerds and pencil paladins. Submit to the cruel yoke of standardized spelling. Resist the urge to smush two vowels into a single box. And crumple up the paper in a rage, declaring, It's only inky witchcraft after all. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Shakespeare did fine without standardized spelling. I don't see why we need it. I don't think so. I mean, he invented most of the spelling that he wrote. So, yeah, he spelled his name five different ways. He spelled with his heart. That's that's it. Yeah. Welcome back. I am Omen Sade. Spelling with your heart gets very messy for the record. I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tull to Me. A puzzling ponder in the Sunday edition of Prog Rock in which no eraser Nick and back of the envelope Omen will search for clues in every single song that enigmatic rock band Jethro Tull has ever released in chronological order. We will goo over 13 down famous Blackpool guitarist. We will fangirl over 23 across, spirit of a restless chimpanzee trapped in the body of a pianist, and desperately try to make the A's of Barrymore Barlow and Dee Palmer intersect. All with the hope that the profundity of the works of 41 down Scottish salmon farming flautist will reveal themselves to us in an orderly fashion. That was very good. You'd never know that. I just watched you do it in about five minutes. You wash. Don't <laughs> spill our secrets. <laughs> Tricks of the trade. Omen. Oh, hey. Hello. Nick. Hi. Today is, is, is a big day for a number of reasons. It is the last day of the year that we are recording. That's exciting. That's right. It's also laundry day for me. Also laundry day. I, I think I'm due for laundry day myself. It's also the day after the big old drop from JT themselves. That's right. We have been, uh, how do you express it? We, we, uh, we had a, a reference to Talk Tall to Me on the official Jethro Tall social media sites. We had a lovely correspondence with uh, James Duncan Anderson, who said he enjoyed the podcast and wanted, wanted to give us a little boost in numbers. So if you are listening to this podcast for the very first time, having found your way here, from those social medias, we say to you, welcome. Hi, welcome. Thank you for listening. Get out of my bathroom. Get, why are you in there? It's so echoey. But And also, we want to just extend thanks and appreciation to those of you who have been around with us from the beginning, who shared in our excitement yesterday. Indeed. From that 6 a.m. post all the way through the rest of the day. It was it was a wild ride, and we appreciate everybody enjoying that with us. Actually, and I can read some of the some of the fan some of our fan support that was on the on the Instagram page. Sure. It's around here somewhere. Oh, sorry. Oh, Mary, can you bring should... me my yep. uh, fan reports? Thank you. Mary and Marley. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mary. Uh, oh, what's uh, what's that? What's that little object you've just placed on on my desk? It's a lentil. Oh, that's just a, it's single, a single lentil. lentil? Oh, okay. Aye, for New Year's Eve, I hope you don't stuff yourself on it. I, uh, Mary, I think it's traditional to serve lentils on New Year's Eve. Is it? Is it not? You get what you get, and you don't get upset. Oh, okay. Thank you, Mary. Happy 2022. It's an old world culture. I get it. I get it. It is. Okay, so here are just a couple of little a little comments on the Jethro Tull Instagram post that I really appreciate. Ways Chowry says, I look forward to this podcast so much. It's one of the main highlights of my week. Highly recommended, funny, and smart. It sets itself apart from the Wikipedia details of typical Tull discussions and offers a fresh, witty view into each track. Thank you so much. Ways Chowry. That is Abu Jethro bin Moms. It is. For the Tall Skulls. Saturn 5 Dad writes, Talk Tall to Me is an absolute hilarious and labor of love joy. So great Ian and son James were willing to join in the Moms reindeer games. Indeed, yes it is. Naho J. Benjon. <laughs> it's hello, John. Hello, John. Ah, uh, yeah. Writes, Talk Tall <laughs> to Me has the ambition to talk about every Jethro Tall song 
From this was to Zealot Gene, Nick and Omen are witty, warm, and well-informed. Their gentle examination of each JTEL track finds sparkling facets that makes me reassess my previous hastier judgments. Thank you all so much. It was really a it was really a delightful and surreal day yesterday. Can I I just wanna I just wanna make a note of of comments on Jethro Tull posts that I've seen on an, the Instagram post and their Facebook page, and it shows up shows up on YouTube videos, it shows up everywhere. Inevitably, someone is just gonna put in a random quote of yes. one of their lyrics. It makes yes. no sense. No sense. I think it's great. I think that it's I think that it's, you know, there's a there's a tall quote for every occasion, Nick. So the tall quote for their Instagram post of us is people what have you done locked him in his golden cage. Is that I mean that's clearly the <laughs> You know, the thing with this with social media and uh is that you can it's it's a free space something yeah 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 uh speaking of instagram i just want to jump back really quick the official jethro tall instagram jethro tall underscore is following two people okay one of whom is mr alfie bow he's got a blue check mark so he's got to be important the other one we don't have a blue check mark yet but the other one is feckless moms this is nick this is what it feels like to be a spice girl we are we are the we're feckless spice we are feckless spice. <laughs> Nick and and uh, any reporting on on what we you know our our new listenership in numbers? Yeah, well, I mean, it's let's take it with a grain of salt because it's it's literally a day after. We'll see what it looks like in a week or a month. Marley, Marley, you gave me the paper like ten minutes ago. I don't know what you're doing over there. It's almost midnight, Master Nick. You know what that means? I mean, it's it's New Year. Yeah. You've got me chapstick already. Oh, goodness. You better start applying that now until midnight. I'll be waiting in the corner for you. Those are some very chapped lips. Thank you. Thank you, Marley. Thank you. Oh, I wish we had an HR department. So we've got some numbers on our charts. Thank you very much. We jumped a bunch of spots. All across the world, literally, but some uh, some positions of note. We are now number eleven in the Great Britain music commentary. Wow! We are number two in both Sweden and Italy's music commentary charts. Yeah, they only have two podcasts over there, and that's us. We're we're. Uh, I wonder if the same one is in is in on top for both of them. Hold on, let me check. Nisa Presentar. Varldin's pasta poplet. That's the Swedish one. A pasta poplet this morning. I hope, <laughs> I hope I haven't insulted anyone. And for Italy, the number one is Il Riff di Marco Mengoni. Mengoni. Oh, yeah. oh, cool. So uh, we'll surpass those. I got to say, I'm a little upset. We actually dropped 20 points in Australia. JK, what's going on? Well, uh, again, I think these are early days numbers. And, and, and what do these numbers mean anyway? Yeah. Ultimately, nothing. I I think enough patting ourselves on the back. It's time to pat on the back the music of Jethro Tull. Let us. That is why we're here. Again, thank you for sitting through that preamble, new listeners and and old listeners. We we welcome you with open arms. Do you want to do a little little one of these before we... uh... Yeah. What are you drinking, by the way? Just more uh, Talisker. I'm having some of the last of my... Norwegian Akavit. Oh, that can't be good. It is good. Oh, okay. Nick Omen, a toast to to you, to the podcast, to our listeners. Three years in the bag, and most importantly, to the works of Jethro Tull and Mr. Ian Anderson. Emboca al lupo. Cheers. Oh my God, it's in my belly. <laughs> it's in my throat. Woo. Nick, what is the song about which we have the distinct pleasure and honor of talking to all about today? We are talking another bonus track off of Stormwatch, the second of the bonus tracks that we will be discussing. We are discussing a fun little ditty called Crossword. Oh, let's have a listen. Let's write in our clues. 
Mike McGill. Omen, much like most of this album, I don't know how you feel about Crossword. We've never discussed Crossword or, or much of Stormwatch up until this point. That's true. It was not something that we had access to when we were staying up till 4 a.m. in my mom's kitchen when we were 16, 17 years old. Yeah, we didn't have this until college, I think, Stormwatch. Yeah. Yeah. So is there something you want to ask me, Nick? I mean, I just, I'm curious to know why you like Crossword. Oh, wow. That's not what I was expecting to ask. That's <laughs> oh, fine. We can talk. No. Sure, whatever. What? No, tell no, me. it's fine. I'll tell you about Crossword. Tell me. No, I, I like it. It reminds me of another one of my favorite songs. And I'm not exactly sure why, but it reminds me of Paradise Steakhouse. I'd like to take you to the edge of every morning On a magic island down to a window chair It's got a similar feeling to me. It's got a little dirty, gritty. Yes. Yeah. It's got that grungy, late night feel to it. it. There's a whole, I'm realizing there's a whole genre for me, at least in my private mind's classification of Jethro Tull stuff and Ian's writing. There's a whole classification of like dirty London songs. Yeah. He- hepatitis <laughs> song. Songs you will get hepatitis from. The evening hepatitis songs, yes. Songs to contract hepatitis 2. That's my favorite mix on Spotify. That's it. That's it. I think we should make one. And this kind of falls into that a little bit. I mean, it's not overtly hepatitis E, but... Not like Paradise Steakhouse is. That one is. Right. That one gives you hepatitis E, but this... this Yeah, this one, this one is adjacent. I'll give you that. It's a little dirty. It's a little crummy. And I love that. I mean, I love all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know. especially coming from Tall... Because because it's on the rarer side that it's when they do kind of push the needle to the edge of, of that that sound, it's it, there's just there's such a palpability there. Yeah. Yeah. When we say something is uh, something sounds trashy, that's not at all a diss on the sound. No. It just means that we are raccoons. Yes. I want to climb into it and experience I want it to be in that trash. <laughs> No, I really like this song. It's not one that I have really sat down. It's not one that I would say has a profound meaning for me, but it is one that I always love when it comes on and and I love singing along with it, you know, in the rare moments where I feel like I know the words. What about you? What does this song do for you? This is one of those songs that I enjoy, but if, say, in, in two weeks from now, you say, what does crossword sound like? I couldn't. No idea. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell. I could tell you. Life is a clue in the crossword. I could tell you that part, but I couldn't tell you anything else. For me, the the things that really stick out about it musically and and musically, there's a lot going on in this song. Yeah, more than I remembered actually. But the things that stick out about it to me are John Glasscock's bass. Oh my gosh. We're going to see him one more next week. We're going to see John wow. for his final piece. Yeah. And Martin Barr's Martin guitar. Yeah. Martin yeah, guitar. So that was stings. a dumb way of saying it. It's probably <laughs> definitely not a Martin guitar. But Martin Barr's guitar on this song is, is oh, mm, chef's kiss. Yeah, it's. It's electric, it's wangy, it's... I want to kiss the chef... For making that delicious... Ma- that made the dish of that guitar sound. I don't blame you. So I do like it. I like this one significantly more than last week's, than Stitch in Time. It's funkier, it's not as... It's not as light and airy. It's not a souffle, it's more of a... A raw flank steak slapped across your naked body. Yes. Yeah, you absorb the nutrients by being punished. <laughs> oh, it's like a raw steak that you put on your face after you've gotten a black eye. There it is. Yes. Yeah, there there is because the the tools that are being used in this song are not what they're intended for, but they still get the job done. Oh, interesting. I'm excited yeah. to hear more about that in a minute. <laughs> Just in terms of the grunge and the funk. That's that's all I was getting at. Gotcha. Let's get ready to dive into the music, but before that, I want to talk about the subject material, which is the crossword puzzle. 
Okay, sure. Now, Nick, this is uh, something that I personally despise. I think it is one of the worst forms of entertainment uh, ever devised. What? I, I can't stand crossword puzzles. It's partly wow. because I'm such a bad speller. Oh, and so sure. they, it just seems like an unfair torture for me. I get it. I get it. Because I just can't ever get the words to fit. And and it's in the same it's in the same realm of of entertainment for me as the Sudoku, which I also hate. I adore them both. But I recognize that both of those things, and especially the crossword, is something that has been a really important part of people's pastimes, both in America and Great Britain for almost a century. It's all that kept me awake during my history of drama courses at Hofstra. My 9 a.m. with James Kolb, drink terrible coffee and behind your book, do the crossword puzzle from the New York Times. That's Nothing like a hot crossword on a Kolb morning. <laughs> a clandestine crossword. <laughs> yes. The original form of the crossword was something that w- that appeared in the 19th century. And, and it was something in children's books. And it was it was usually oh. just a square, uh, a little word square. It was, it was a single a single letter. <laughs> No, no, you know, maybe four letters across, four letters sure. down. Yeah. And you have to fit all, you know, all the words in there. You know, bear, whatever. From there, it developed into a, into an, you know, what has become a really huge adult entertainment industry. Not, not. And, and <laughs> it, it has become an entertainment. It has become a pastime for adults, not for children. And the, the person who's usually credited as having invented the modern version of it was from Liverpool, a journalist named Arthur Wine. Cool. And the first publication of his crossword came on December 21st, 1913, in the Sunday paper, The New York World. And it was a diamond shape with a hole in the center, but no black spaces in it. Oh, interesting. Okay. And from there, you know, it spread across newspapers across the world, came over to the Americas, and, you know, evolved into its modern form. And, and there are lots of different kinds. There are some crosswords that take up an entire wall. The record for the biggest crossword is some ridiculously huge thing. And my, uh, I remember my grandmother used to shoot. There was a stack of folded newspapers, like in mm. the rectangle shape of that. They would be stacked next to her recliner. Like, that's what she did. When she wasn't yeah. reading the Bible, she did the crosswords in the newspaper. Wow. Yeah, sure. She even had like two or three different types of they make crossword dictionaries. Yeah, well, not yes, sure how yes. they work, but how how that's any different. Well, and it's an interesting mind puzzle. You know, and the the yeah. clues themselves are a kind of a puzzle. You have to figure out from the clue. Yeah, this you know this cryptic thing, what the word is, and then you have to make sure it fits in there, and you have to know how to spell it, which is where you know which disqualifies me. And how they how the clue is formatted also determines. Right. Yes, it might be plural or not. It might yep. be in, might be in the past tense or in yeah. the present tense if it's a verb. Yeah, and then there's the ones with like the riddle trick answers, and then it's just game over. Right. So with all that being said, let's dive into the music. Yeah, we we start out with the funky funky bass stylings of John Glasscock. And. You know, this is just another reminder of what an incredible musician he is and with how much feeling he plays with. Yeah. I mean, the riff itself is incredibly well composed. But he runs all the way throughout. It starts with that with just him for a couple of notes, but he's right. pretty present the whole way through. Yes, it's it's bass, it's bass heavy. Yeah. And then... We get all at once Martin Barrymore and John Evan. Coming in with kind of almost like a rumba-ish feel, a little bit of a swing leading off of what Glasscock has set up. Yeah, John's foundation, yeah. One of the things I love about this song is Martin really goes all out. He's got he's got his guitar on what I think is some kind of overdrive and he just rips it and it just sounds so, so good. Yeah. I'm, I'm really impressed with Barry in this one. Barrymore's drums all throughout. I don't know if it's just, if it's just the Steve Wilson that they're so prominent or if that was part of the plan or something, but boy, howdy, he's right up there with, with John in this, just like leading the way. (laughs) 
and mix aside, you get some really great examples of him, kind of his solo drumming toward yeah. the end. We get a couple of, you know, a really nice fill. He has that whole outro section. I mean, it's really, yeah, it's very playful. There's something very playful about this whole song. I think you, I get the sense that people, that the band was having fun playing this. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I'd certainly, yeah. I, I think it would be really cool to see live certainly because it it's one of those instances where everyone kind of it's you, you don't get a drum solo but but everything is is just different enough that it's all noticeable it's not really a melange where everything is kind of built into one single unit you know yeah well and as the song goes on you know we get this this the first section is pretty straightforward in terms of the meter it's in 4/4 it's funky, it's a little bit swung, but it's it's very stable. Toward the uh, second half of the song, we get some key modulations, we get some, mm. you know, funny accidental time measures here and there, some some extra notes, some extra beats dropped in or, or taken out. And we kind of, it's sort of like a prog mullet. It's oh. a business in the front and party in the back. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's great. That's... You know what I mean? It's like the front is very clean cut. And by the end, it's like, wow, what are we doing? So it's like a speakeasy. It could be a speakeasy. It's like a speakeasy where yeah. the the front is a DMB, a funky DMB. And the back is where you buy the bathtub gin. Yeah. yeah. And get a free hit of opium on the way in. Just, just to loosen you up, you know? One of the best parties I ever went to was one in which... At the door, when you showed your ticket, you got a shot of absinthe. That's that is that is more organized of a party than I would expect you to go to. Oh man! Wait, was this in college? No, this was in New York. Oh, okay. I, I built okay, a, a lot that, of the okay. set pieces for it. It was a big. It was a big to do. Okay, yeah. When you say a party that I went to, I immediately think of you going to a party in college. But this was this was. This was an adult entertainment party, right? <laughs> it was. There was a lot of crosswords being done. Ooh, or at least steamy. a lot of things trying to get intersected. All right. Anything else musically, Nick? I mean, there's lots to talk about. No, I, I think I'm good. Nothing else. I mean, other than that fade out, that fade out with Martin and and Barry at the end is very fun. Very, very fun um, way to, to just pull out of the, the song. The yeah. Dig, 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 dig. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, with that out of the way, I have seven more things to talk about musically. I don't know why you ask, but go ahead. <laughs> so there's just some fun moments. You know, we have the kind of bridge-like verse at one point, and we have, yeah. it's a really nice change of pace that keeps you on your toes in terms of the composition of the song. And then coming out of that, Barrymore has this fantastic fill coming out of the bridge that we talked about. Then we have the instrumental breakdown in which there's some very fun key modulations yeah. led by Martin. And then bringing in the last verse, we have some really lovely 16th notes on the organ. Yeah. And it's just for a moment, but it's like you said, it's, you know, everyone gets a little shout out in this song. Everyone gets their moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just enough to remind you that it's there and to kind of refresh your ear of, of what to listen to for that specific instrument. Yes, and then exactly. and then it it goes back together and it, and it creates that that cohesive sound again with the multiple layers. Yeah, and that's you know again the thing that that we love about Jethro Tull is you know it's 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 like the old saying goes: get you a girl who can do both. Sure, we can make that apply here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the front end of the song, they're putting down really. Kind of straightforward late 70s rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And then in the second part of the song, it's like you couldn't ask for more prog. Right. Yeah. The most Byzantine prog appreciator could not find fault with this. 
it's like you said, I think it's it's one of the reasons why we love Tull so much is they can make that switch. They can ease us into it sometimes or they can just go right out of the gate of it sometimes. And it, it allows us to it, it allows us to not be overwhelmed at times by the variety that they can pull forward. And it makes it that much more special when certain things do happen. Mm-hmm. It's like Todrick Hall sings in his song both. I can be a bitch. I can be a diva. I can throw a pitch. I can play receiver. I can turn a bad boy into a believer. I can do both. I can do both. I can be a bitch. I can be a diva. I can throw a pitch. I can play receiver. I can turn a bad boy into a believer. I can do both. I can do both. Omen, what do you have left on your list of musical notes? Mm, Nothing. Nothing. All right. Well, that's it for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, no. Why don't we talk about some uh, lyrics? Yeah. Let us lyricize. Let's get lyrical. Let's get lyrical. lyrical. Nick, tell me, on a scale of one to Backdoor Angels, how obscure are the lyrics of this song for you? Pre-Ian answer, Backdoor Angels? Yes. It's, I mean, I at least, well, I think we had like one or two like super, super rough theories about Backdoor Angels, right? But... Mm. But nothing really, nothing that like all of the lyrics could be like, okay, well, this is, I'm fairly confident with this. Right. For this one, I would say it's five out of 10 backdoor angels. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's sort of midway. There's, there's some, there's some crypticness. But I think I get the general idea. I think I want to run it by you to prove me wrong. And I'll run it by my lawyers. Yeah, legal. Run it by legal. Yep. Okay. Good. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to hear what. What do you. What do you think this song is about? And what you know. What are the. And how did you arrive there? So, just overall, before we we dip into to specific lines and and notes and things, I I get the general feeling that this is, an kind of another sense of. Maybe Stitch in that world that we saw in Stitch in Time where you're oh, going to the, the factory and you're you're working until you, you fall apart, basically. You work your whole right, life right. to the bone. This feels somewhat like that in the sense that it's you have nothing to look forward to in your life mm. but the crossword puzzle. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. I yeah. don't know. What do you see in this? I think that I, I'm on the same page with you broadly. I, I think okay. that I'm on a I'm a, on a different paragraph, but I think that we're more or less in the same zone. For me, there's a I would compare it to Journeyman. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's definite there's definite feeling, definite aspect of Journeyman in there in terms of sitting on the train, experiencing yeah. that commute, that slog. Yeah. This reminds me very much of my days commuting in New York City. I bet, yeah. And, you know, the phone, the smartphone has largely replaced the newspaper for train entertainment. But that yep. being said, lots of people still read the newspaper on the train. And on your phone, you you can do Sudoku, you can you can play crosswords. And and so this this to me is a little bit of a a story of that of that moment where it's that, like you say, that slog, that work time commute where in this yeah. gray, dirty town and trying to find some kind of a meaning and almost almost the crossword itself becoming a metaphor for the Gordian knot that is life. You're probably not setting yourself up or you have not been set up to win. And no matter how hard you try, you're just, you're butting up against a wall but you can try the crossword, and if it's not a Friday or a Saturday, you might be able to do it. If it's not a Sunday, that's right. You could, if it's a Monday crossword, you, you'll feel good. Start of the week. Well, and that's actually a term. You know, commuter crosswords are specifically oh. designed for people to be able to do in an hour on the train. I didn't realize that. Yeah, oh. I just I just read that this morning. That's cool. 
should we dive into some of the specific wordings and lyrics here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's what is that? What's that first line? Walking on air, shoulder and head above you. Walking on air, shoulder and head above you. Mm, I was going to skip that because I had no clue. <laughs> okay, so we can both admit that we both have no clue. The next line, however, is much more clear to me. Down in the street, black canyons walking through. Down in the street, black canyons walking through. That's being in the in the urban canyon, you know, and and slogging to work like you like you talked about. But it's also the the black spaces in between the white squares in the crossword. Oh, oh, that's really cool. I yeah. did not think about that. I love that. Next on hooded, sad eyes, fetched on your shuffle shoes. So you're looking down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Life is a clue in the crossword. Hooded, sad eyes, fetched on your shuffle shoes. Life is a clue in the crossword. Walking on air, shoulder and head above you. Is that a reference to the, the white spaces? I don't know. The, the people who are well off, the people in the skyscrapers at the levels that you will never reach. I like that. I also wonder if it's a sense of disassociation, you know. Oh, you're looking down on yourself. Yeah, my mind is floating above all of this, but here's where I actually am yeah. down in the street. Okay. And life is a clue in the crossword. Then this next one, I, I tried to find what typewriter Turk could reference yeah so this is interesting i didn't find anything for typewriter turk but the term turk in british slang refers to a a violent young man oh there was a gang in the early 20th century late 1800s called the the turks and then i think there was a later group called the young turks okay and it refers to any kind of you know violent you know machismo driven Young dude is out to make a name for himself. So a typewriter Turk is is someone who who basically attacks their typewriter as they're using it. Yeah, or yeah. somebody who's like <laughs> who's writing it is like, I'm so fucking clever. I'm make a name for myself here in the newspaper. Telephone terror takes time to wind down. Push button finger shakes. City of dreams back to your quiet nightmare. Typewriter Turk. Yeah, so then altogether, I have two theories about this. One is that, to me, the typewriter Turk immediately made me think of the person who's writing the crossword. Oh, okay, okay. But on further contextualization in the in the verse, I think it's more describing the kind of cutthroat business work environment. Yeah. You know, that, that we've gone from, whereas 100, 200 years ago, our, our energies were employed in being out in the world. Now we're battling it out on the telephone. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. More of the reference to business and the transfer from, from farming and, and where everybody spends their life in a cubicle, you know, so they have no, they have no vent. They have no, no, yes, no way to spend that energy. Right. And because, you know, the world is becoming increasingly modernized and, and technological. Yeah. Your interaction with the world is is a push button, which could be as, you know, more traumatic sure. than than speaking to a person face to face. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's m- most of your your daily interactions are are over the telephone, de- depending on what you do. Like that's your only connection to human beings. And I love the contrast of City of Dreams and Your Quiet Nightmare. I mean, that's Yeah. That's very much a good way of describing how it feels sometimes to live in a big city where it's like, sure. welcome, you know? Oh, yeah. L.A. or New York. I'm going to go be a star. I'm going to go be a, a business guru. I'm going to go right. do an internet startup or whatever. And you slog home for an hour to your insanely expensive studio apartment and you're miserable. Yeah. Somebody told me a really great story of, of first moving to New York that I think is really, really just sums up to me sort of like, 
typifies like what's living in New York can be like sometimes. He said he was, this is an older carpenter that I met. He was probably in his fifties or sixties. And he was like, yeah, I want to move to New York. I thought I was hot, you know, hot stuff. And I was walking down the street one day. This is all started because we saw a coffee cup on the street and he was like, whatever you do, just leave it alone. And he said when he was young, he was walking down the street in New York and he saw a coffee cup sitting in the middle of the sidewalk and he was like, I'm going to kick that off the road. And he kicked it really hard and it was full of piss. <laughs> Which of course sprayed up everywhere and covered him in this day old piss. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the inherent nature of the city and of, of being crammed oh, yes. in a space with so many people is... You bubble yourself off because you're forced to, you know, you don't. Because otherwise you'll end up covered in piss. Yeah. Among many other things. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a staunch believer of living in the country. (laughs) More power to you. I know a lot of our listeners live out, out in the, in the city. We've got a handful and on Long Island and New York and all that. It's, it's great if you can do it, but. Boy, howdy! I I never could. And I loved my time in New York. Yeah. You, you, you seem to, to be very happy there. But again, you know, in the city, you do look for these moments of private solace. And I think that, you know, coming back to the crossword is like it gives you something to focus on when when there's so much stimulus going on around you. Yeah. Having something to focus your mind on, I can imagine, could be your calm, happy place. Sure. Absolutely. You could you put the especially if you're on the train, you put the blinders on and you just don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Now. Nick, I want to jump to the last verse because I have a I have a question for you. I have a theory. Okay. Homework aside, your brain on the train to test. Pick up the news he left on the seat behind you. Your life is a clue in the crossword. Homework aside. Your brain on the train to test. I am imagining a scenario in which the band Jethro Tull and writer and singer Ian Anderson have have at this point been on the scene for 10 years. Mm-hmm. They've enjoyed a certain amount of, of attention from the public sphere. Yeah. We know that Ian travels a lot by train, has always done. Is it possible, do you think, that Ian was riding the train home from a long day in the studio, picked up the discarded crossword and saw a clue about Jethro Tull or himself in the newspaper crossword and just had one of those weird meta moments where you're like, literally my life is a clue in the crossword. Yeah. I mean, they're pop culture at this point. Sure. You know, they're, they're not at their peak, 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 but they're, yeah, they're still around. That's, that's really cool. That's if we land this Ian interview, I think that's a really good question to ask. I like that a lot. And, you know, probably the answer is very boring. It's either yes or no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's fun to think about, you know, and I and I think, you know, seeing that part of the weird thing with modern life and city life is that you can have the simultaneous reality of fame and anonymity. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on what type of famous you are. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could very easily pass for a plebeian on, on the train. Yeah. So this, I I really like that theory. I mean, we have nothing to, to back it, but I, I do really like that theory, but, but were it not Ian seeing himself in the crossword, this life is a clue in the crossword. What are we getting at there? Is it just saying that because if, if you've done enough crosswords, you eventually... Which I in, haven't. Which you haven't. But you eventually, you can see the patterns. You know the go-to answers for certain things. Elevator company, Otis. A burden, Onus. You you know these these go-to answers for, for, small, for the small everyday questions that they ask. Is that referencing that your life is a cr- clue in the crossword? Is that you're... Your life is slightly predictable, but you still have to figure it out. Oh, interesting. See, this is this is so interesting because, you know, we're coming at this with a very different relationship to, to crosswords. And so it would mean something very different for I, for either of us. 
Yeah. For for me, so I love that theory. Yeah, your life is is this boring thing that gets slotted in to the kind of Tetris of other lives. Yeah. And that you're smushed together with without you being really in control of it. My theory was your life is a clue in the crossword because it's impossible to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. And, and it can't fit into the damn boxes anyway. Maybe that's that's perfect because that's, I mean, Ian has said on many an occasion that he's like, interpret the song how you want to interpret it. Of course. I don't care what I wrote. You shouldn't care what I wrote based on why I wrote it. Take it how you will. I'm telling you the story and you're supposed to interpret it. It's art. It's just art. Exactly. And, you know, just, you know, to to completely ignore that advice for one second. We also know that Ian is a is and has been a great consumer of newspapers. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, he told us in our in our written interview, he reads five a day. Whether he does the crosswords or not, I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised if he's if if he had dabbled in crosswords in his day. I imagine. Well, especially having ridden the train a lot. Sure. Yeah. You know, give your mind a break from songwriting or from reading about the pagan traditions of England. You might, you might do, you might do something that, for the time period, is sort of like that. You know, the that decade's version of Angry Birds. Right, and I think that's a that's a really good point. Is there's a, a certain level of disconnect when you're doing a crossword because there's nothing else like it. You know, you can put away all of that baggage. You don't have to worry about the the news. Yep. You don't have to worry about the news. You don't have to worry about Mm, the fact that you wasted three hours in the studio this afternoon. Right. You don't have to worry about what you're going to be cooking for supper when you get home. You know, it's, it's just, I'm doing this. It's got a, it's got a, a beginning and an end. If I don't finish it, I could save it if I want to, or I could just chuck it. Who cares? Right. You know, there's not a whole lot of responsibility there, but it, there is a level of of disconnect, which then therefore leads to decompression, I think. Well, yeah, totally, totally. Unless you're like so invested in the crossword, which, uh, which you know, in which I case, mean, get a life. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that, you know, for me, the phrase life is a clue in the, in the crossword speaks to being a part of this, this, this mysterious whole that presumably someone can figure out, but but maybe you can't. I, I that's that's what it says to me. Yeah, I think we've Venn diagrammed enough that we can have a general idea of what this is. But it certainly falls under that that category of it falls under a couple of umbrellas here. We've got we've got a train, we've got not necessarily dystopian, but kind of like boy life. Yeah, and we've got that grimy feel too. Kind of, uh, I think of it as. As graphic novel, film noir. Yeah, a little Sin City feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotham. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I want to go back the one, the one paragraph that we skipped. I want to talk about those last two lines just because yeah. I really enjoy them. Staying awake on cold yesterday's steak and warm beer. So we've got cold and warm. We've got yesterday's steak as its own unit and beer. Mm. So cold yesterday's steak and warm beer. Not yesterday's cold steak. Right. Because if you did yesterday's cold steak, the and would feel like yesterday's warm beer as well. And then ladder of string climbing to sweet success. Ladder of string climbing to sweet success. I really love that because it ties back in with working to rule in your own time. You can only get so far with a ladder of string. Right, right. You right. know, you're 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 going to be fighting so hard to climb that ladder to the sweet success that you want, and chances are it's probably not going to happen. And if you do, it's really remarkable. That's great if you can climb that ladder of string. Well, and also if you think about the visual of a ladder of strings, it kind of you have that horizontal and that vertical which kind of replicates the visual of what a crossword looks like as well oh sure yeah it's like a net which you get caught in and you can't leave you're stuck there you try to climb your way up to the top and yeah but you need to fit a z into this word why is there's no z in pita why this is my problem with crosswords i just i just put letters wherever no, that's that's your problem with you, I think. <laughs> that's that's the problem that exists with crosswords. I'm perfect. <laughs> These words don't fit. 
<laughs> Just a little fun anecdote about the anonymity and and fame of living in a city. I read this thing recently that um, actor Ryan Reynolds, you know him? I love Ryan Reynolds. I adore Ryan Reynolds. Lives in New York City. Yep. And at one of the local pizza places that he goes to, they seem to believe that he is Ben Affleck. <laughs> and so every time he, go- he goes in, they're like, hey, Ben, uh, how's it going? How's Jennifer Lopez? He's just like, great, good. Yeah, she's she's awesome. And they're like, how's it going with Justice League? And he's like, oh, it's awesome. Thank you so much for the pizza. Then he walks out. And he's never yeah. told them because he, he's afraid that they would be very, very upset to find out that it's not Ben Affleck, Affleck, but in fact, Ryan Reynolds. Not that they got it wrong, the fact that it's not Ben Affleck. <laughs> right, right, right. But it, but he's just like, he just lets it go and gets his pizza and leaves. That's very funny. That's very, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you could confuse the two. Well, they, you know, they're both white men. I mean, with that's with faces. That's true. But yeah. if that's the case, I could be confused for Ben Affleck or Ryan Reynolds. Boy, I would be mighty flattered to be confused for Ryan Reynolds. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's what you can get me for my birthday. A confusion. A confu- I, I'd like one confusion, please. What do we got next week? You do know, do you know? You probably don't know this if you haven't looked at the schedule. Do you know it? You looked like you knew it. Do you know it? I will tell you, Nick, that in my brain is a great emptiness <laughs> concerning next week. What are we talking tall about next week? So we've got we're doing a, a little bunch up of two here. It's not the normal two instrumentals here. Okay. But I feel like the one instrumental, King Henry's Madrigal, mm. probably not going to have a whole lot to talk about. Okay. But the meat and potatoes here we have is bonus track number three, our last visitation with sweet John Glascock. It's going to be Kelpie. Really, it's going to be the John Glascock wake next week. So yeah. bring your tear buckets, Yep. harness up your emotional support unicorn, and microdose... Your feelings. I've been doing that since I was 12. (laughs) Until next week, some things are hard to figure out. But one thing that's not hard to figure out is that if you rate Talk Tall to Me with five stars and a positive review on Apple Music and or Spotify, your life will be a solution in the crossword. I like it. Your Starshine page will be the Patreon landing page for Talk Tall to Me. Yeah. Head on over. Only five bucks a month gains you access to two bonus podcasts and... More importantly... More importantly, access to our Discord, which gives you access to the great Tull Skull hive mind of shenanigans and chicanery and nonsense and actually some really valuable tall discussion as well. That's right. If you are feeling uh, separated in this modern world and have a, a lack of connection to the people around you, come connect with people who have the same passion as you for Jethro Tull. They are all lovely. I do have to say, I, I genuinely value the community that we have created there. And we openly invite all of you to join that community as well. It's, it's a great space. Until next time, I am your shaking push-button finger, Omen Said. I am the one with hooded, sad eyes, Nick McGill. We are your shuffle shoes, feckless momes. And this is the quiet nightmare. Talk tall to me. Welcome back to the 2039 Crossword Showdown between 89-year-old Will Shorts on 
life support and the new crossword 900 algorithm program. I am Rick Binkus and here with me is Belly Sally. Sally, where are we standing? Well, we have uh, we have changed Will Schwartz's diaper three times since we began. He has needed uh, a new feeding tube, but honestly, he's still ahead of that AI machine, punching out some really obscure questions here. Yes, that's right. And here we are in the second round, just about to start. And there is the dinger. And they're off. All right, Will Shorts, using an old-fashioned quill pen, not sure why, is writing the clue invented by the French for the purpose of measuring the Earth. It's a meter! Oh my gosh, that's so obscure. Well done. It's great. It's got two E's. It's got a consonant in the middle. He's he's. This man is a professional. Okay, the AI program is writing two plus two. Okay, okay, I'm I'm a, I'm. Not gonna lie, I'm a little unimpressed here. It's not terribly seems, seems like there but... might be a glitch in the program. Oh, yeah. Will Shorts! Will Shorts coming around the bend. He's doing. He's writing uh, ambidextrously. He's doing two clues at the same time. Uh, one of them is uh, the 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 lead ship in Nelson's fleet, and the other is uh, first artist to be played on the moon. Oh my! And they're they're intersecting. He's made Will I Am and the HMS Victory intersect. Incredible work. That is the true true handiwork of a professional and a man who has spent his entire life putting together uh, Sally, crosswords. Sally, oh, I've got to interrupt yep. you here because uh, I just see that the uh, the Quizmaster 9000 yep. is uh, is filling in random black spots and covering up its own work. Okay. Uh, I wonder if that has anything to do with the fire axe that has been shoved into the side of it by Will Shorts in an incredible burst of strength. I never would have expected that upper body strength from Will Shorts, but by golly, I am impressed. That man knows how to handle an axe. He's writing with one hand. He's hacking at the computer with another. He's threatening the judges. He's threatening us. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I see one final clue as the Quizmaster 5000 is dying. Bursting into flames. Bursting into flames. It is writing out, it is scrawling a proud member of the Feckless Momes audio network. Oh, that's the answer. The Feckless Momes. Incredible. They're neck and neck. Somehow, somehow with its dying last electrons, the Quizmaster 9000 has won against the impenetrable superhuman Will Shorts. He's gone into a rage. He's off to New Jersey. Look out. Put an APB out on Will Shorts. This has been Rick Binkus here with the crossword coverage category. And this is Belly Sally signing out. Thank you so much for tuning in. (laughs) 